My name is Sarah Kim and I'm from Austin, Texas. I'm a Cheeselandian because while life is great, cheese makes it better. Go to Cheeselandia.com to learn more and if it's for you, sign up. With our growing season just around the corner, we're sowing seeds of knowledge and empathy on this week's episode of Meet and Three through four unique stories. I'm always shocked at how aggressive people are with their language. They'll have something like Japanese knotweed and they'll say, you know, these are terrible, they're they're foreigners, they're invasive, and you know, but they're also, you know, they're really healthy if you eat them. We're surrounded by seeds that have already adapted to live with us and they're actually already kind of living in the future because cities are hotter and they're more polluted and they're more fragmented and these are the plants that can deal with that. Tune in to Meet and 3, available wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Life's a Banquet, a show about the highs and lows of all things edible, spreadable, and pourable <laughs> with your hosts, Zara Tangora. And me, Nicole Bailey. I am on one today, Nicole, and I, I just need to let you know I've got ants in my pants right from the start. Where did you get ants? Well, <laughs> that's funny you should ask. I sent away <laughs> for some ants, and uh, before I could build their cage, I decided just to keep them in my pants. They're cage. And they are, yeah, <laughs> they're driving me curb berserker. <laughs> are these like fire ants? Or... Oh, yeah. Yes, I'm in a lot of pain right now. What are those super scary, painful bullet ants, I think? Those are the ones that hurt really bad when they bite you. Oh, oh my gosh. You know what I watched yesterday? Um, I watched Kill Bill 1 and 2 over the past couple Oh, my days. God. I just watched the Kill Bill 1. I'm waiting for Kill Bill 2. I saved it for a couple more days. It's so fun. And, like, it just reminded me you were talking about, like, the deadly ants that last the scene with Michael Madsen when he oh, gets yeah. it and he gets bitten by the black mamba. What an yeah. awful way to perish. Yes. Could there be a word? I have ants in my pants today because we haven't recorded in two weeks and I just couldn't wait. It was like Christmas morning getting to talk to you today, friend <laughs> Well, I'm happy to talk to you too. Where have you been? Well, we took a probably ill-advised road trip. I simply had to get out of my home. And I was planning on going to the desert, where I've never really been. Ooh. Um, like New Mexico and Santa Fe and all that. Um, but then the coldest winter storm of all time took over the entire country, and the only warm place <laughs> was Florida. So we just drove straight down to Florida as fast as we possibly could. Whoa. Uh, did you stop? You went with your, with your sister, Shannon. Did you guys do any stops along the way, or did you just, like, gun it right there? Well, it's, like, a 12-hour drive to get to the top of Florida from Indiana, so we stopped in yeah. Memphis. Basically, we stopped in Memphis, realized that the snowstorm was coming all the way down to the bottom of Texas and parts of Mexico, and Whoa. we're like, maybe we should just go to Florida for a little while and wait out the storm, and then we just never left. Oh, that's cool. Did yeah, you go to Graceland? I- we did, yeah. We stopped by Graceland. We didn't go inside, obviously. You just stopped not. by for a drink. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to see it. Um, the Lisa Marie plane across the street is kind of interesting. It's also really... Have you been to Graceland? No, I haven't. It's crazy because it's like in the middle of like a strip mall. But really? when he... Yeah, when he bought that farmhouse a million years ago, it was just farmland. It was like a farmhouse on... It was like, it was like outside of town. Oh, but then because of urban sprawl and all that exciting stuff, um, mm. the town grew up around it. And so now it's on this like ugly street, <laughs> like really? in the middle of a bunch of weird businesses. And across the street is like this little parking lot with the Lisa Marie airplane on it. And you can go inside the airplane and check it out if you want. We did not do that, though. How interesting. We were worried about mask stuff. Oh, of course. I don't know if you remember this and I don't remember what episode it was from. It must have been like a sandwich episode that we did. Uh, well, and I did Elvis. Many. Yeah, and I talked about Elvis and that sandwich oh, yeah. he liked. Not the one that everyone th- thinks he likes, the peanut butter and bacon, but it was the one with like a whole pound of bacon and a whole jar of jelly. And a whole loaf the, like, of bread. <laughs> yeah, on like a loaf of bread. And he, I remember in the story they would say he would take the Lise Marie mm-hmm. to like Colorado or wherever. Where they made the, the sandwich. sandwich. 
which seems like ridiculous. I mean, that's not a hard sandwich to make, really. You just dump a jar of jelly and a pound of bacon into a hollowed out bread. Would you really need to fire up the jet for that? But I mean, I respect well, it. Back then, there wasn't as much on TV, you know? So That's true. There was nothing else to do. Right. And he lived in the country. So what are some of the highlights of your, or or lowlights? Do you have any funny stories? Any tales from the tour bus? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, my sister decided last minute that we had to bring her, the dog, her little dog, with us. And that caused all kinds of shenanigans. Um, <laughs> uh, several times we had to sneak the dog into the hotel because we didn't want to pay a, an, a much higher rate or because the hotel didn't allow pets at all. So... My sister and I had to, like, sneak in the side door of these hotels carrying this tiny dog wrapped up in a bunch of blankets, and it was pretty hilarious. Um, And at one point, we were in, like, a kind of a motor lodge type place, and I texted my sister because I was already outside, and I'm like, there's a guy painting right outside the door. I don't know what we're going to do. And she comes out with a bunch of shit, and she puts it all in the car, and I was like, dude, the cleaning lady's about to go in the room. She's going to find the dog. And she's like, the dog's right here. And she just thrown the dog in a pile of crap and threw it in the backseat of the car. <laughs> and I didn't even know that she was there. That's hilarious. Um, and you yeah, know, so, next, next time you do this, yeah, though, was, just to mention, you should just invest in one very tall coat and a tiny, <laughs> tiny hat for the dog. And, you know, you go on the bottom, Shannon goes on top of you, you're the legs, she's the torso, and the dog is the head. And yeah. no one's going to assume it's a dog if it's speaking English. I'm just saying. It's so tall. Yeah. Well, she only speaks Spanish, but I think that's fine. Okay. Um, we also went to Miami, which was a mistake, because no one in Miami was wearing a mask. And there were tons and tons and tons of people there. So we, oh. we like, got freaked. Like, we could, we didn't really want to be on the, on the streets in the middle of the night. There were just, like, tons of people, like, in their bikinis, walking around really? without... Without masks on. <laughs> why? And, but why? I don't know. It was, like, terrifying. And there were, like, a bunch of young people down there, but a bunch... It was, like, people... It would have been really awesome if it hadn't been COVID. Um, <laughs> it's not someplace I would have normally, like... It's not really, like, my type of town to go, but I was like, I've never been to Miami. I want to see what it looks like. And just because we chose it randomly, it would have been a lot more fun to kind of just be out and stare at everybody. But since we were yeah. terrified, um, we went to this restaurant... They had outdoor seating, and all the tables were super close together, so we didn't even eat there. We just got our food to go and ate it in the hotel room. We were just like, you know, yeah. COVID stuff. And in Key West, the same thing. All the boomers that were down there partying, because you can carry your drink around, as I'm sure Oh, yeah, know. I love Key West. I'm a huge uh, fan. They're just maskless and wandering around. Boomers! That's so weird. <laughs> My sister kept being like, oh, that guy's probably vaccinated because he looks super old. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's so interesting. Nothing can deter people from having an average time and drinking too much. Like I know, and I, I couldn't judge them necessarily liquor. because I was there also. But um, I was like, I did not think that it was going to be just like a normal party time down here with the same amount of people that are here during the high season. <laughs> and that explains why 500,000 people have perished. That from is true. Yeah. Cause people disease. are just like, it's fine. Um, and this then we is over for us in our minds, even though all of our family members have died. Yeah. Un- unbelievable. And then we went up to, we drove through the Everglades, which I loved the Everglades. Oh are yeah. So amazing. So um, cool. That is so- the greatest drive between Miami and the Keys. It's one yeah. of my favorite places, like, I've ever been. And we saw a bunch of gators, which was cool. And yeah. then we um, we ended up going to St. Pete because our hotel or our Airbnb fell through. And I was not that excited about it. But I ended up really loving St. Pete. It's, like, a bunch of old people. So, like, everybody went to bed early. We went out to Treasure Island, which is, like, this little island off the coast of St. Pete. And it's just, mm-hmm. like, an amazing huge beach. And it was, like, gorgeous. And there's all these, like, super weird shell shops and souvenir shops all around. It was fun. Yeah, I think Florida, you know, people get a bad, I mean, Florida gets a bad rap, and some of it is very much deserved. But I feel similarly about Florida as I do about Long Island. Like, being from Long Island, people are always like, it's the worst, It's Long Island is such trash. And you know what? 50% of the time, you might be right. But, like, there's also cool things everywhere. And some of the cheesy, shitty things about Florida like seashell shops and like Key West. I mean, not right now, but in general, you know what the I mean? Old, like the yeah, the old Florida vibe is so yeah. awesome. And that's oh, all about where we yeah. were at. Like we, there were tons of just like old motor lodge type places and really? 
We stayed and... in a nineteen twenties bungalow in Punta Gorda, and it was oh. adorable. How fun! Don't love the serial killer kind of aspect of Florida. That can we can leave that. And I also obviously don't care for frogs. So those two <laughs> things will keep me out of Florida permanently. <laughs> I didn't see a frog. I but I frog. lived in Florida. You didn't see any frogs, not even when you were in the Everglades skimming through no. murky waters, like in yeah, adaptation. Well, we were walking through all those side ditches in the hopes of running into an alligator, so we thought wow. we'd run into a frog. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Hey, we drove hey. fast as we could through there, but we did see plenty of gators. I really wanted yeah. to go on an airboat tour, too, but also didn't really feel like the best thing to do. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely take a Florida adventure part deux with you Mm -hmm. and Chan Mm -hmm. and and the dog, but only if it dresses as a person, um, when all this is uh, said and done. Yeah, I feel like there's so much that we didn't even see, and it was just, it's awesome, it's tropical down there, the keys are breathtakingly gorgeous. Yeah, my grandma used to live in Boca. Um, she oh, used really? to live, yeah, she lived in Boca, like on this little strip between the beach and the intercoastal and I we would that. like go sit out and like on the deck and look at manatees and like, it was so awesome. I loved it. And all like the kind of like Meisner style, like architecture. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm super into it. I have a lot of nostalgic feelings about Florida. Also, I lived there for a couple of years when I was uh, a babe, a baby. Oh, that's right. Cause your parents were down there. That's how I became traumatized about frogs because we lived in a place where apparently they were like infesting our house, and <laughs> I must have not taken kindly to that. <laughs> and uh-huh. thus, I live in constant fear of encountering one. Even where? today, I saw I saw I was walking by Prospect Park, and there was like someone had like a planter full of water, and I'm like, oh god, I wonder if there's a frog in there. <laughs> oh my god. I know. Um, what was I going to say? Where did you? Where were you born and a couple days raised in Florida? Um, I was born in Stony Brook Hospital in Long Island, but then my parents uh, went to go open a second food business. They sold their first one, uh, the Levin Oven, and then they were going to open this like hors d'oeuvre place called Zaza's Hot Hors d'oeuvres, which is where I got the Zaza lasagna thing from. And it like... was going to open in this food mall and like two weeks before it was supposed to open, the food mall went bankrupt because it was like being funded by someone who was involved in like a pyramid scheme. And they like locked the doors. (laughs) Exactly. They like basically locked the doors to like where my parents had bought all this equipment. They spent their like life savings and borrowed money from everyone. And they just like lost everything and had to file for bankruptcy. And then they were like, well, we're in fucking Florida. This is horseshit. And then when <laughs> they're like, like fine, it never snows here. I love it. <laughs> That's true. Well, thank the Lord they didn't because we would have never met. But mm. so then they're on their way back. My mom and my dad always used to like to tell the story about how they had like no money. They're moving back to like Huntington to go move into my grandparents, like tiny, tiny house. And, uh, they like park in a motel or they go to a motel overnight and they park and they had somebody, they come out in the morning and someone had stolen all the luggage off the top of the car and broke it. Oh yeah. Your mom told me that story. It's so sad. All they had was their child. Exactly. They're like, why did you take our collection of masks when you could have just had this perfectly nice newborn child? (laughs) (laughs) Perfectly nice newborn child. Clean, polite, terrified of frogs. <laughs> well, what's anyway. been happening in New York? Any exciting goss? How is oh, it going? Oh, hot goss? Oh, mm, no hot goss, really. I mean, I'm just doing this pop-up, which is going swimmingly. Really wonderful. <laughs> it's so... Oh, my God. So I'm doing this pop-up. Pop-up is the name of <laughs> this guy that I met. <laughs> oh, how is your relation going with that puppy? Oh my God, good thing you asked. So Butter, the puppy that I'm in a relationship with, I encountered him on the street. And so I had a fear. I don't know if I mentioned this to you already. That he was really a frog in a dog costume? (laughs) Yes, exactly. He would unzip his skin to reveal himself as a large frog. No, my fear was that I had run into Butter's owner a couple of days after I spoke about Butter on the podcast. And I She's standoffish, right? She was a little standoffish. Now she's really warmed me. I don't okay. know why. She must not remember that I'm I am who I am. Because when I saw her again, I was like, Oh my god, butter. Oh my god, I talked about butter on my podcast. And she's like, What's your podcast? And I was like, Life's a banquet. And then immediately I was like, Why did you say that? Because on the show, we were talking about how we should club this woman and like beat her to death or something and steal the talk. Yep, that's definitely true. <laughs> 
so you should like the podcast is my favorite murder <laughs> uh the podcast is wtf um i'm mark Marin. i know you can't tell under this mask um <laughs> But, uh, anyway, so, but I've run into, but I ran into Butter two times today and she doesn't seem to remember me. She's like, oh my God, everybody remembers Butter. He's so popular. She's super nice. I think she just might've been overwhelmed with how much attention Butter was getting from the get, but she seems to have acclimated to it. She's, she's very sweet. Much bigger now? Uh, I'd say that Butter is about the size of one and a half shoe boxes. (laughs) (laughs) How many bread baskets are there? Butter? (laughs) You could shove butter into one shoebox if you crumpled him up very small. And you might have to break his legs. (laughs) Oh, no. I hope his mom isn't listening to this. Which I would never do because I love butter. I mean, when I tell you that this dog is the cutest puppy ever to live (laughs) on Earth, I mean it. It's so soft. It's so silky and soft. I think about him all the time. <laughs> there was a black Pomeranian puppy that came to my old restaurant job, and I was obsessed with him, and he came in all the time. And he would just sit on the bench with his parents, waiting for his table outside. And he was so cute and Pomeranian. What was his name? I can't remember. It's something like Russian. Like he Dostoevsky? Something like that. It was like... <laughs> Vladimir, it was like Vladimir. Vladimir Putin. <laughs> yeah, it was Vladimir like, Pomeranian. It didn't really match him because you know Pomeranians are always like smiling and they're yes. puffballs, so they don't really like Vladimir Paler. A very serious Russian name is. It was weird, but Chekhov. I'm sorry. I'm just meant. I'm like just saying any Russian or Russian. It was Natasha person. Kinsky. Oh. <laughs> Oh, it was Boris Yeltsin. Who was in La Femme Nikita, the original? Oh my god, I haven't thought about La Femme Nikita in like, I don't know, 18 or 19 years. Wild. La Femme Nikita, that was like an action-y show, right? Yeah, it it was like, she's an assassin. Mm -hmm. Um, Luc Besson is the one who directed it. Oh, it's Anna Parry. It's a French person. I thought that oh, there must have been an American remake because there's like a a Natasha somebody. Maybe it's Natasha Kinsky who plays the Finn Nikita in the remake. Oh, huh. well, maybe we should ask the dog if if it knows. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have something to tell you, actually. It's not gossip, but I did take a suggestion of yours, as I as I always do, because you give great <laughs> suggestions. I do. Um, you suggested that I read a book called um, Easy Riders and Raging Bulls. About oh, I think it's so good. Open. Oh, my God. It's so salacious. Now, that I know, is full I, of hot goss. It's so gossipy, that I, but it's also, like, journalism. And I am upset. I'm still in the middle of it, because I keep putting it down, because I don't want to get to the end of it, because it's so much fun. I listened to it and then I became so wanting to like stay in that world that I listened to Robert Evans's bio- autobiography, The Kid Stays in the Picture. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you something right now. If you're going to like ingest this book, I highly suggest you listen to it because he narrates it himself. <laughs> <laughs> and it is, it is wild. It is my number one suggestion of all time. Do the audiobook though. Like, okay, okay. That's 100%. Hilarious. It's what so an wild. Ego. He's just like, he's so crazy. He's like, and that's when I told Warren Beatty to go suck my dick, baby. <laughs> just like, <laughs> guys, crazy. He has like no nose anymore because he did so much cocaine. He's, he's really bonkers. But doesn't it seem like so much fun though to be there? I mean, you had to had to have been like a man, but yeah, you would have had really... to have been that. Yeah, it's really that that was great. I loved Kids Days in Picture, and then I went even further, which might have been a step too far. <laughs> in two weeks' time, geez Louise! I know, and I listened to Mike Metavoy's audio book, who's just some, like <laughs> studio head. <laughs> he's like the guy who's the head of like Orion Pictures. That is and hilarious. Yeah, and then I was like, "You need to stop." Next, you're gonna be like listening to like Rupert Murdoch's like grocery <laughs> list or something. <laughs> you should watch the documentaries about those writers. The one about um, shit. Who's the guy who did um, Harold and Maude? Oh, Hal Ashby. 
Yeah, there's a really good documentary about him that I actually found. Yeah. And there's actually a really good book about him, too. Interesting. I'd love to read it. I've, so far, I've been going back and watching every single movie that they mentioned in that book, most yeah, of which I've seen which like, at least once. But I just, and some I hadn't, but I wanted to just watch everything over again. Had you seen the Barbra Streisand, um, what is it called? Yentl? Kickies and Screaming? Kickies and Screaming? Or no, it's called, what, no, never mind. People are not going to be interested in this. We'll talk about it later. Okay. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah, well, let's, should we get into our topic for today? But we, I do recommend to everybody, uh, as per Nicole's recommendation, who knows, she knows more about movies than anyone I know. Um, this book is so awesome. His follow-up book, down and dirty pictures about like Miramax and Sundance. Not into. I had to stop listening to it. it I don't want to hear anyone say anything bad about Robert Robert Redford. And there's really <laughs> nothing bad to say. He's like, and Robert Redford orders shrimp on his salad. And this is like, nah, you the m- magic of Easy Riders and Raging Bulls is yeah. lost in this. Man, Robert Redford loves shellfish. He loves it. He can't get enough of it. And <laughs> even in Utah, it's not even. It's not local. <laughs> Oh, Lord. So we're okay. talking about our topic, which is fucking cheese. Cheese, bitch. Cheese. <laughs> cheese, bitch. Get out of my way. <laughs> um, yeah, so I chose a cheese that's very close to my heart, which is government cheese. <laughs> mm, and Delicious. I didn't realize this, but like all of the problems in America today, we can trace this right back to freaking Ronald Reagan. So there's a wonderful photo that we should put on the Instagram for this episode of Ronald Reagan just holding a brick of government cheese in the air and smiling. (laughs) I can't wait. I'm very (sighs) excited to see this picture. So 1949. Year of our Lord. <laughs> there is something called the Agri- Agricultural Act of 1949. Very original mm. name. Mm. Uh, My favorite act. <laughs> they gave something called the Commodity Credit Corporation, the CCC, which is a government owned corporation dedicated to stabilizing farm incomes. So basically, during the Depression, part of the New Deal package or whatever, they decided that the government would buy things from the from farmers to sort of help them stabilize during you know times of famine or whatever Mm -hmm. um it's a good idea in theory but as per usual it doesn't really work out so um the agriculture act of 1949 gave the commodity credit corporation which is the people that buy things from the farmers they made it so that they are allowed to buy from dairy farmers Mm. and everyone was like thank you goodbye (laughs) (laughs) Um, So then we're going to flash forward to the 70s, okay? The economy economy is tanked. People were roller skating on cocaine Mm -hmm. in roller discos. Serial killers were everywhere. Everywhere. Um, The the Ford Pinto was unfairly maligned in the press. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) And there was a dairy shortage. Uh-oh. And Robert Evans was in his prime. <laughs> Might as well mention that. <laughs> um, nobody knows who Robert Evans is. <laughs> well, that's their loss. <laughs> um, so the dairy shortage means that dairy prices shot up 30%. And everyone was like, oh, no, I have to wait in line for gas and milk costs 30% more. So it probably cost like Damn. 50 cents because it was the 70s. Who knows? Um, so 1977... Jimmy Carter, the peanut farmer president, set up a $2 billion... He basically put $2 billion into the dairy industry over four years' time. So basically what they were doing is um, buying dairy... Peanut farmer president. (laughs) Then I was was, thinking back of you saying that, and in my head it replayed as the peanut butter president. (laughs) The peanut butter solution, Jimmy Carter. Um, He should have ran on that. That would have made... Great. Sense. <laughs> um, okay, so so they poured two billion dollars into the dairy industry in hopes of like stabilizing the prices. Um, so now the struggling dairy farmer has tons of cash, and he starts making way more milk because if the more milk that you make, the more money you get. So the go- they're trying to take advantage of the government support. Mm. So the government is like, no problem, guys. 
we will buy all this milk that you're making, like a bunch of freak daddies, and whatever you can't sell, we'll buy it. Don't worry about it. And so they made the excess milk into cheese, butter, and milk powder. But there was so much of it that eventually the stockpiles grew to five million, sorry, 500 million pounds of excess milk products. Um, And they were in hundreds of warehouses all over the country, just like piled up with all the extra stuff because the government (laughs) bought it, but they didn't do anything with it. They just bought it with zero plant. They're like, we'll buy it. It's no problem. We'll help you scratch my back. I'll scratch your back. And they just loaded it up into the warehouses and left it there. Hilarious. Do you remember? I know that you listened to this, that episode of the dollop when they did the two-parter on Ronald Reagan. And they yes. they mentioned this at one point. It was very funny. I, know, yeah. I forgot about that. But yes, you would have to because it's, it's insane. It's um, wild. So <laughs> it got to the point where they just had so much of it. They had no idea what to do with it. A USDA official told... The Washington Post in 1981, probably the cheapest and most practical thing to do would be to dump it in the ocean. <laughs> what? Yeah. An ocean of cheese? Like, yeah, okay. it was 1981. We didn't know about, you know, environmental stuff back then. They're like, really? you know, 500 million pounds of powdered milk will be fine for the whales. It's going to be fine. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, basically they didn't know what to do with it, and they weren't really doing anything. Um, But it was becoming an issue. Um, But a lot of people didn't really know about it until there was was this White House event with a lot of press there. And the Agricultural Secretary, John R. Block... Oh, that um, is a coinky ding. (laughs) No no relation to the block of cheese. Um, (laughs) He... So, basically, <laughs> most of the stuff in the warehouse was government cheese. I forgot to mention that. It was a just ton... Because it had a... a sh- you know, it's shelf-stable. It lasts mm-hmm. a long time. It doesn't last forever, though. And there was a lot of confusion amongst the 35 states and hundreds of warehouses about actually how long it would last. Mm. So, John R. Block brings to this White House event a brick, a five-pound brick of green, moldy government cheese. And he <laughs> said... We've got 60 million of these that the government owns. It's moldy. It's deteriorating. We can't find a market for it. We can't sell it. And we're looking to give it away. So then the media freaks out. And there, you know, because there's so many, so many Americans are food insecure. Reagan had yeah. run on his promise to reduce food stamps. Um, and, of course, the fictional welfare queen ideal um, so mm. people started putting a lot of pressure on Reagan because they're like, all these people don't have any food. You're an asshole. You have Alzheimer's. Get this cheese. <laughs> take this old ass cheese that we had to buy to stabilize the market and give it to the poor. And he's finally yeah. like, he's like, okay, I won't acknowledge Scrape AIDS, but I will. <laughs> he's like, I'm not going to acknowledge AIDS, but I will give the people moldy cheese. He's like, I'll give the AIDS patients moldy cheese as my one, like, <laughs> acknowledgement of their existence. So he caved, and he's like, okay, everyone. He caved? Million. Like a yeah. cheese cave? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I didn't go there, but yeah. Sorry. Uh, he was like, we'll give the people 30 million pounds of government cheese. So oh. there's a couple of problems with this. Number one, a lot of it was moldy. And they still sent it out anyway. Cool. Cool guy. Two, a lot of people that are on government support programs are not, are black and brown people. And a lot of black and brown people are lactose intolerant. So Mm. giving them a million pounds of free cheese is kind of annoying at best. And it's moldy. It's insult to injury. Absolutely. I mean, literally, like injury, you're going to make people like sick. Yeah. Give them food poisoning. Um, so he created something called the Temporary Emergency Food Assistance Program to hand out the cheese. Um, there's now... God, this is so pathetic. Truly. Yeah, it's, it's crazy because, like, basically, I read a couple of articles about people's firsthand experience. I don't... I think that we had government cheese a couple of times in my childhood, but I don't really remember it too... I just remember the box... Because mm. it had like a, it's exactly the same box as like a Velveeta box, but it's white and it has like the USDA stamp on it mm. or generic stamped on it. Um, so 
Yeah, but people are like, you know, it was a sign that you were poor. People saw it in your refrigerator. But some people are like, it makes the best grilled cheese ever. And so there's a lot of mm-hmm. different takes on it. Um, not all of them. Most of them are kind of like, Reagan is a monster. And yeah. this program, the way that it's set up is really stupid and everyone's an idiot. Um. <laughs> and to like only give people cheese. What a fucking, what fucking bullshit. Well, they got Not other even like bread. Oh. They got other stuff. Because they got food stamps and then right. they would also get these items as well. So the other items would change depending on what was available. Um, mm. But the cheese was almost always a constant because we had so much of it. They ended up actually, instead of 30 million pounds, giving out 300 million pounds of cheese. Why did they make so much fucking cheese? That's too, it's not using your noggin. Because they bought all of this dairy from the dairy farmers and and rather than let it go bad, they turned it into this cheese, which when then they had no plan for. I mean, they might as well I just know, let it go I know, but has anyone ever heard of ice cream? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and fucking glass well, in the freezer for mad long. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. These people are psychotic. Um, That's wild. Was, I'm just... No, go ahead. Oh, I'm just... By 1984, there was so much surplus of cheese that there was a five-pound brick of cheese for every single American in the country. <gasps> wow. <laughs> I don't remember this distinctly, but, like, I would have to assume that my grandparents would get it when we lived with them because my... You know, we didn't have a lot of money we definitely used food stamps and stuff so i'm i'm imagining it it was circulating in my home at some point but i don't yeah. remember it it was like velveeta i'm in look i like velveeta i like yeah. all kinds of fake cheese american cheese products and i will stand by that i will stand on a soapbox about that and <laughs> preach to the mountaintops because it's delicious and i got in an argument with our friend steven obviously because he's a piece of shit yes he is if you're listening <laughs> steven a- Steven, you're an asshole. Uh, I love you. Just kidding. Um, no, I do love him, but he loves to argue and he's British. And so everything that's American is like terrible, which I generally agree with. But like American cheese isn't awful. It's delicious. And also, if you think it's awful, that's just your opinion. And we fight about it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Not I like friend, I eat that much American cheese, but. I have a friend who doesn't like American cheese. And part of me is just like. Angela, if you're listening, and part of me thinks that you're just being mm. a snob and that you actually do like the taste of American cheese. There, I said yes. it. <laughs> Who could it? Look, a burger with melty, melty American cheese on it. I'm not saying I'm going to, like, put it on a cheese plate, but I would. <laughs> <laughs> but I would. I would eat that, too. If you just put the whole log in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do stick pretzels in it and make some sort of creature out of it. That would be cute. Uh, uh, I'm so <laughs> sick of like how fancy everything is. Honestly, I would love to just do that. I wish I had a restaurant again and I could be like, okay, we have a cheese plate tonight. And the yeah, what is it? What is it? Like, Latour? No, it's American cheese. <laughs> olive eyes and lettuce eyebrows. I'm just <laughs> gonna be delicious. Oh, Jesus. Um, Jesus. So you would think that they would lo- like learn their lesson from this and be like, we better not do that again. But they don't. So we still have a system <laughs> in place today. We have so much surplus dairy at all times in the United States. Um, wow. They created something called the Dairy Management Company. Well, no, it's just called Dairy Management. They're the people who came up with the Got Milk slogan. Interesting. And, yeah. They're like... We need to make sure that people are consuming more dairy because we have so much surplus. We just need people to buy it. So they, because of all of their marketing and they're like, they have all these um, contracts with prisons, obviously with schools, you get milk with your lunch. Um, and that the ideal, the, the idea that like milk and dairy products are part of like a healthy balanced diet is pretty much not in the rest of the world. <laughs> Yeah, and it's wild. the truth is, is that like that's actually not true. It's just because we have all this dairy surplus because we set up this program to keep dairy farmers in business, and now we know that dairy farming is horrible for the earth. Um, but yeah. basically, because of all this marketing, Americans have increased their cheese eating, so they eat fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> Americans eat fourteen pounds more cheese a year than they did in nineteen ninety. Oh my goodness. Are you listening, Americans? Stop it. You're eating too much cheese, but keep eating it because there's nothing else to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> it's either you gonna, or the whales. They're going to dump it in the ocean if you don't eat it. So make yourself another quesadilla. 
People are just fishing with like a, a hook with a five pound brick of cheese at the end. <laughs> I mean, so heavy. <laughs> like using it as swimmies instead of, I'm just thinking of all the ways we could alternatively use cheese. <clears throat> oh, I have one more interesting fact that I learned while looking up this dairy management. They were, <laughs> they were part of the bailout you never heard of in 20, oh. the 2010 recession where Domino's got bailed out from the government. Oh, really? So the recession was so bad that no one was ordering pizza, and Mm -hmm. Domino's went under, and so the government subsidized them, much like they did with the banks, and it was because they bought so much cheese from the dairy farmers. So they were like, if Domino's goes under, we're we're fucked. That's really interesting. They bailed out Domino's in 2010. You can look it up on the internet. There's some pretty funny articles about that whole scene. Yet, all the independent pizzerias around the country can just go fucking fend for themselves, right? Yeah. Well, they're probably Thanks, buying from capitalism. their local farmer. That's weird. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, I have <laughs> something kidding, funny to no say. <laughs> so I've been, yeah. So I've been making these, like, kind of, like, fake commercials of, like, throwback things, like, either 1-900, um, old 1-900 ads or, like, the hair club for men and as part of like promotion for Zaza lasagna. And so I was talking to our mutual friend Dan the other day and they were like, I was like, what should my next um, commercial be? And they were like, it should be like a got milk ad. And like you take a sip of milk, but, or you take a bite of las- like a lasagna, like a whole chunk of lasagna. And when you, you pull it away from your mouth, you just have <laughs> like a lasagna mustache. And they were like, you should get double sided tape and then just glue a bunch of like, <laughs> shredded cheese and pieces of basil to it <laughs> it kind of makes no sense because like the commercials weren't like that it was just the ads the ads and the commercials were different the ads always had people with the milk mustache but the commercials were always about like being in a situation where you really needed milk and you couldn't find it but i still thought it was fucking hilarious <laughs> to think of a lasagna mustache <laughs> it is hilarious um have you seen the um like lauren bacall coffee it's like freeze dry it's like instant coffee commercials no oh my god you should definitely watch them and try to do that because it is okay i will it's very good i'm not as good of an actress as lauren bacall but this i can try to do like, her sexy sultry voice that's the voice that's what makes it so hilarious it's hilarious <laughs> That's amazing. Um, I just want to quickly, I was thinking about this whole time you were telling the story. I think it's so funny when like you encounter a Republican and they're like, yeah, yeah, but I'm like a, you know, I'm a Reagan Republican. Like this was the party of Reagan, like talking about how like Republicans, you know, Lincoln Project type Republicans are like, we don't like Trump. This is the party of Lincoln. And a lot of people, I think, just say that as some kind of thing who have no idea how, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, what are Uh you... You're proud to have liked Ronald Reagan, the worst president. And when you said, like, responsible for everything, that's fucked up today. Truly. Yeah. I mean, we can't let Bill Clinton off the hook. He signed NAFTA. Also (laughs) terrible. Look, every president is an evil, horrible monster. But, like, yeah, in terms of, like, our current economic income inequality, social services problems, Reagan really screwed the pooch, as they say truly terrible so for all our republican listeners of which i'm sure there are so many oh yeah they definitely um, made it to the bernie sanders dark times they definitely <laughs> kept listening <laughs> yeah all our, our republican listeners held on through uh our pro bernie rants no um if you're a republic reagan republican out there check yourself before you wreck yourself because that guy was a real stunad <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, let's take a goddamn break, shall we? This we show shall. brought to you by Jelly Beans, Ronald Reagan's favorite food. <laughs> <laughs> I do like Jelly Belly, though. So. Sorry. Oh, yeah, bye. me too. Uh, bye. My name is Sarah Kim, and I'm from Austin, Texas. I'm a Cheeselandian because while life is great, cheese makes it better. Wisconsin cheese has proven time and time again to be a delicious expression of craft, hard work, and tradition. As a Cheeselandian, I am able to share a Gouda experience with fellow cheese and food lovers nationwide, as well as connect with cheese producers and cheesemongers, taking my love of cheese to another level. 
I invite you to join Cheeselandia because during these difficult times, it has been even more important to take it easy and get cheesy. The Cheeselandia community and events have been the glue helping to keep us together and connected, and I would love it if you would join me. And let's face it, if you hear the word cheese and get a little hungry, then you've found a place you can call home. To find out more about Cheeselandia, go to cheeselandia.com. We are back and we're talking cheese. <laughs> if you're just tuning in, this show is about cheese <laughs> and not in a classy way either. So don't expect us to be talking about cheese makers or fine tuning a fresh wheel of Roquefort or whatever the fuck you want from us. That's not what you're going to get here. We're talking government cheese and now we're going to talk something else that's funny about cheese. Fun, fondue. <laughs> Fondue! <laughs> or, as you might want to say, fondant. Yeah. I don't... I'd say fondue. I say fondue, too. I like it. But, you know, some people are afraid of, of things with little fires under them or anything too hot and melty. So if that's you, stay away from fondue, okay? Um, I'm going to start you off with a hilarious joke. I've been trying to make jokes about Swiss cheese, but the joke has too many holes. <laughs> mm, I saw that one coming from a mile away. <laughs> Okay, look, I've got my information today from three extremely reputable websites. The first, HarvestGoldMemories.com. HarvestGoldMemories? Correct. (laughs) Dot com. (laughs) Second, EverythingFondue.wordpress. I love it. And good old Wikipedia. Never heard of it. Friend of the cheese. Yeah, the small little website known as Wikipedia, I think it's pronounced. I'm not really sure. Anyway, Webster's Dictionary. <laughs> Webster's Dictionary defines fondue as delicious. Just kidding. Uh, Wikipedia, according to Wikipedia, fondue is a Swiss melted cheese dish served in a communal pot called a calcolon or a fondue pot over a portable, portable stove or a rechaud heated with a candle or a spirit lamp and eaten by dipping bread into cheese using long-stemmed forks. What do you think? I was just remembering the episode of Snacks of the City where Carrie cooks for Big and she just makes fondue and somehow she Mm. messes it up so bad that they have to go out to dinner. But I'm like, I've always wondered, (laughs) I couldn't help but wonder, what could she have done to make it so bad? I don't, I've always, every time I watch it, I'm like, what could, it's just cheese. Like, how bad could it possibly be? It anyway. was probably fine. She just wanted to go out because she was dating a millionaire. Why would you eat your fondue in your apartment when you can be at La Bernadette whining and dining with New York's elite? Am I right? <laughs> you are right. <sighs> okay. Fondue. It was promoted. Now, this is where it gets very suspicious, and I picture a lot of murder and cover-ups <laughs> going on. It was promoted as a Swiss national dish by the Swiss Cheese Union, otherwise Whoa. known as... Schwarzerweicher Kass Union in the 1930s and was popularized in North America in the 1960s. The first mention dates back as far as Homer, your favorite, Homer's Iliad. What? Yeah, that's right. Homer, not Simpson, was a huge fan of fondue, apparently. He was a huge fan of fondue. He was very much into fondue. Everybody knows that. Where it was described as a mixture of goat's cheese, wine, and flour. Okay. All right. I'll allow it. If that's it. what Carrie made, I would maybe say that it could be gross. What's that? I said if, if that's what Carrie made, I'm saying that I can understand how that could go wrong. It could definitely go wrong. Like, look, you have to cook the flour out. If you don't cook the flour out, you kind of just have wallpaper paste. Yeah, and it tastes like flour. Exactly. So during the 18th century, the origin of fondue began in Switzerland as a way to use aged cheeses and breads to feed families who had limited access to fresh food during the wintertime. So as the cheese like would become moldy and the breads would become, you know, hard. too hard. Uh, you know, I feel like bread gets hard over after like one day. I can't, I mean, I think they were eating these breads months later, but I guess it turns into almost a crouton at that point. Yes. And then you dip it in some cheese. Or some broth, and voila, you got a stew going. 
uh, as Carl <laughs> Weathers would say. <laughs> um, okay. So the local villagers found that if they heated the cheese with wines, garlic, and herbs, they could dip their stale bread, which would soften when dipped in the flavorful cheese mixture. This way of cooking together over a pot and eating by a warm, cozy fire became a Swiss winter tradition known as fondue. <laughs> I didn't realize it was Swiss. I thought it was French. Oh, you thought it was French? No, no, it's Swiss. Um, what is this, like, D- Danish term for, like, coziness? Heige or something? Heige, yeah. Yeah, so I'm picturing a lot of Heige going on here. Cuddling... Mm-hmm. Soft puppy is named Butter, dressed in little sweaters, <laughs> little hats, <laughs> in front of a growing crack. Dogs okay, don't wear hats. That's, dogs don't wear hats yet. <laughs> the word fondue comes from the French word fondre, which means to melt. That's and why I thought it was French. God well, the, damn it. The, the Swiss, the Fran, Fran, bleh, France, Switzerland borders are closed, so I'm assuming it probably came to be in an area that was near to France. Yeah, they're like in the French Alps. Exactly, Alp, Alpine. Um, okay, let's see. Uh, to melt, and since they've been used to reference many other types of fondue, you can make it with meat, chicken, seafood, and even chocolate. Um, so there's been a lot of, there's ritual around it, obviously, since it's something you share. And fondue, in the end, is a simple dish and so a whole host of rituals and terms have grown up around it to give some sense of the exotic to it. So says Isabel Raboud Schul, the director of the Gruyere Museum. <laughs> <laughs> so specific. We need to go there as soon as it's safe. Where is that? Is that in France? It's in Switzerland. In Switzerland. It. <laughs> it's in the Alps, but we could go to France while we're there. No, I would go to the Swiss Alps and like do some like the hills are alive. The sound of music. Be nice. I would love it. I would love it. And then we can dip to the Jura and we'll drink some good wine. Would and love we'll be that. in France. Mm. Okay, now picture it, Nicole. The year is 1964. I kind of did the same thing that you did, oddly enough. Uh, the average cost of a new home is $13,000. The average Jesus. yearly salary is $6,000. The Boston Strangler has been caught and Elizabeth Taylor marries Richard Burton. For the second time? <laughs> For the first time. I also watched Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf the other day. I have no um, interest in seeing that. It's great. I mean, it's a great play, and it's, uh, it's a great film. They do a I good job. But I know it's wonderful, but I just, it seems so dark. It is. It's very, it's, well, a lot of drinking. <laughs> if you're triggered by alcoholism, steer clear. <laughs> I'm not. I love alcohol. <laughs> okay. And also in 1964... Fondue makes its premiere at the Swiss Pavilion's Alpine Restaurant at the 1964 World's Fair in New York. Oh, that's adorable. Yes. Now, again, back to the shadowy underbelly of the fondue <laughs> industry. As NPR reports in 2015, the popularity of fondue was no accident. It was planned by a shadowy <laughs> association of Swiss cheesemakers who aimed to convince the world to consume pots full of melted fat. <laughs> Are they joking? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I don't a know. shadowy group. <laughs> a shadow. I'm reading directly from this article. Oh my goodness! A shadowy gracious. association of cheese Swiss cheese makers. I <laughs> mean, we all know the Swiss are a shadowy people. Very yeah, sneaky. like Heidi. Twice the, the little girl. <laughs> no, like Heidi, the little child that they made the movie about. Who's that? Oh, Heidi. Wait, what is that? What is the movie? It's called Heidi. Oh, right. I watched that as a kid, and I have not thought about it again until this point. I was really yeah, into she, it. I guess it just pops in my mind when I think about the Swiss Alps. <laughs> right. Yeah, she's very suspicious. Um, okay, so it began selling a now-familiar dreamy image of fondue with big ad campaigns of, looking, of good-looking Swiss people in Swiss ski sweaters partying it up over pots of cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Come join my cheese party. It's that's German, but you get the point. <laughs> that was your Swiss accent. That's Arnold, just like Arnold doing a Swiss person. <laughs> Come get the cheese while it's still hot and melty before it freezes. <laughs> that's him <laughs> as Mister Freeze doing an ad for fondue. <laughs> um. 
Okay, as the St. Louis Post-Dispatch reports, when fondue parties were first a fad, you may have been wearing bell-bottoms and playing Bob Dylan and Joan Baez in You think I'm that old? On vinyl. <laughs> on the stereo. Um, or maybe you were wearing rompers and playing on the swing set. Fondue <laughs> made a comeback in the early 2000s and has been growing in popularity ever since. I, I will like to disagree. I don't think that's true. Oh, I was looking up pictures of those people in sweaters in the 60s, and there I found this article called, The Fondue Fad Was a Scam, and We Ate It oh. Up in the Cheesy 70s. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, it's by those big Swiss freaks, those shadowy Swiss freaks. Oh, I love it. So the president of the Cheese Academy, or the Cheese Gruyere Museum, goes on to say, you know fondue is a social dish, and so each person who serves it will have their own theories, and you can all discuss those while the cheese bubbles away. And then I wrote in my notes, just in big letters, cocaine. (laughs) You're just discussing your theories watching cheese bubble? Come on, it's the 70s. Let's be honest about what's going on here. Yeah. This is a front. Um... The term for the crusty bit at the bottom of the pot is one that many have grown have many have grown up around fondue from the ubiquitous, and everyone like has a different theory about what what it's called. But um, so from the ubiquitous campaigns mainly funded by the Swiss Cheese Union made to promote the dish comes a tongue twisting word, figuligul. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's spelled F I G U G E G L. Okay. Okay. The word has made it its way onto T-shirts, and it is an acronym from the Swiss German phrase. Are you ready? I'm ready. This is what Figulagula stands for. Fondue ich gruet und git i grut lun. That's what I thought. <laughs> Literally, fondue is good, and it creates a good mood. That's what it <laughs> translates to. <laughs> so people wore shirts with this in the 1970s. And debated oh about what to call the cheesy crust at the bottom. I almost can't stand it. Um, okay. At a restaurant near Zermatt, the waiter once told a group of friends that it was customary for two people who lost their bread in the sauce to kiss each other. Like an alpine version of spin the bottle. So all kinds of different people who eat fondue have different ideas of what you're supposed to do when you drop your item in the cheese. Apparently it's very poor form and you're punished in some way so these people had a kiss which doesn't seem like a punishment to me it depends on who you're eating with you know that's what if it's your dad yeah if it's your dad or your brother or like i don't know harvey weinstein (laughs) (laughs) oh no too soon I mean, okay, he looks like he loves fondue. Long-running <laughs> French comic series Asterix, set in an ancient version of Switzerland, had an indomitable an Gauls featured in a series. They came upon a fondue party where guests who dropped their bread in the pot may be beaten, whipped, or dumped in Lake Geneva. <laughs> that is, seems more extreme than making people kiss. <laughs> <laughs> if you drop your bread? Yeah, although I think I would rather be beaten and dumped in Lake Geneva and then have to kiss Harvey Weinstein with a mouthful of fondue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you drop your bread, he has to find it and then spit it back into your mouth. Ew, like a baby bird. Yeah. So briefly, I want to just talk about the Melting Pot restaurant. I'm not going to really harp on it. We don't have much time, and it's not as interesting as I was hoping it would be. The chain? The chain. It was formed in the 70s, but they are home to about eight years ago. They made, uh, at least at that point, I'm sure during COVID, somebody's tried to recreate this. Um, the world's largest fondue pot. No, why? I No. It, it was over eight feet wide with seven foot long fondue forks, or at that length, I think we can call them fondue spears. Yeah, exactly. And it housed 1,250 pounds of cheese and 12 kegs of beer. Right. Yeah. Um, It sounds criminally insane to me. So who ate it? Did someone eat all of it? Yeah, Harvey Weinstein. And then they called Harvey Weinstein and they said, we have your favorite food here for you, Harvey. Uh Uh-oh, I wanted to read you their menu, but I actually went to... I feel like we can say a lot of stuff about Harvey. We shouldn't fat shame anyone. That's, That's true. That's He's the one good thing about him. Is evil monster. Body shape. <laughs> <laughs> and for all we know, he could have been an anti-fondue vegan. Who knows? 
That's true. We don't, and also we don't need to, I think fondue is delicious. We, we don't need to associate him with fondue. So <laughs> you're right. at the fondue, at the melting pot, they do a lot of things. They do an entree fondue, which I guess is like the boiled broth and you cook meat in it. Listen to like this. Like hot pot? Yeah, like a hot pot. Listen to this hmm. combination for $28 okay. and a mere 454 calories. You get garlic pepper sirloin, shrimp, Memphis-style dry-rub pork, teriyaki-marinated sirloin, herb-crusted chicken breast, um, and all of that is gluten-free, and you boil it in a pot. I mean, that seems like a lot of different meats. That's very generous, don't you think? I just don't want to eat that many different kinds of meats. Me neither. I'm not, I mean, I'm never going here. I never. But, have um, you ever been? I've never been. I don't even know. I haven't been. I think there's one on Long Island. I would go. I don't, I'm just kidding. I If someone was like, do you want to go to the melting pot? I'd be like, okay, I'll check it out. Um, <laughs> I There was one in like the rich part of town here on the north side. I believe, Kelly Allen, if you're listening to this, let me know if I'm wrong. But I believe that there was one in the greater Indianapolis area. And people I knew had gone, but I never went. Yeah. I mean, look, it seems like a lot of fun. I have, like, absolutely nothing yeah. against it at all. I just I just noticed that there was one on Long Island. If I had noticed it when I was, like, younger, I'm sure I would have gone. So I'm reading this article about... Are you done with your part? Of the I have one pot? more funny thing yeah. to say Tell about fondue, which is when my parents first got divorced, I was about seven years old or six years old. I was in first grade, and um, my mom invited like 20 first graders over for like their first sleepover party for my birthday and she I know and so she decided not only to have 27 year old sleepover but that she was going to make for the party fondue (laughs) (laughs) and it was really cute and we all had like cheese and chocolate fondue and it was very I actually still remember it it was adorable and then like we all went to bed and, and in the middle of the night all the little girls woke up and started crying and wanted to go home because they were so scared it was their first sleepover yes that's my what mom happened. Like, didn't know what to do did she have to drive them all home uh, i think their parents came and picked them up because you know i never think about that as a child but when you're saying can i have a sleepover you're like do will you babysit my friend for free mom it, exactly <laughs> <laughs> will you babysit 19 of my friends <laughs> yeah well she chose that that's true. I think she was really trying. It's a very sweet moment. It's almost like it would yeah. be great in a screenplay. So, yeah. So they this cheese cartel, which is what they're called, was actually very shady. And they did all kinds of stuff, like not let farmers make cheese. And it was like this whole corrupt system. It's like another... You think of Switzerland as being like pure and good, but no. No. What about another, the Swiss banking system? Oh, right. Just we can't kidding. trust them. They are shadowy. They're shadowy. But so they basically tried to force everyone to eat more cheese, and that's how they came up with fondue. Just like the Americans tried to force everyone to eat more cheese. I'm just like, we don't need all these freaking cows. Stop making cows. Stop destroying the earth with methane gas. And let's start fresh. Totally. I mean, really, it is a huge problem. Like, on the real, the cow flatulence is truly, like causing parts of the country to freeze (laughs) right now. (laughs) I mean, that shouldn't be freezing. It's ridiculous. Um, And if we would all just stop eating so much fucking cheese and fondue, then we could stop this situation. (laughs) I do have have a a vintage fondue set that my stepmom gave me, but I've never used it. Um, I have one too, actually. Jenny and Dan gave it to me for my birthday one year. They're cute, but I just... As much as I love cheese and I love queso, I'm more like a queso gal. I put the cheese in a bowl in the center of the table and dip your chips in it. Voila! Yeah, I mean, you can make queso in a fondue pot. There's no reason no one, you know, the government, while they may be giving, giving, forcing you to eat the cheese, they can't tell you how to prepare it once it's at your house. That's true. That's true. You're right. <laughs> I say you make it however you want. So top three... I mean, I think clearly we need to discuss what our top three favorite cheeses are. Oh, okay. Um, well, I have... Well, okay. So I really like... Because I'm feeling nostalgic for the 90s in this moment in my life. I've just been really thinking a lot about the brie baked in a pastry thing. Mm, love that. It's so good. It's so, it's like... It's so good. <laughs> it's so, like, silly and kind of... It feels sort of wrong to like it but i've been thinking about it a lot my friend made one where she put jam you know inside of it oh yeah 
It's delicious. It's delicious. It's popular for a reason. Like a lot of 90s foods. Like when people talk about like, oh God, it's so 90s, like goat cheese and beet salad or whatever. Like it's a good combination. <laughs> That's it why. It is so good. It's, but it is corny, but it's delicious. So fucking yeah. back off. It's corny. Corny is exactly the right word. Um, and then I love Velveeta. I love a queso. Mm-hmm. So I'll make a queso. I made a delicious queso with my own salsa, Velveeta, mm-hmm. and Mexi cheese, shredded cheese blend, all mixed together. Because the Velveeta kind of helps the other cheese melt on its own, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Yum. And it was delicious. I made nachos, Super Bowl nachos. And then um, I really like, you know, I'm basic. I like nothing too fancy. I like cabbage cheddar. I love that. Me too. It's the best. Claw the bound. bound cabbage. Can you say that in your Long Island accent? Cabot Claw Bound Cheddar. That's so good. <laughs> you say Claw Bound. Claw Bound. Cabot Claw Bound Cheddar. It's funny. It's funny because it's true. <laughs> true story. Uh, yeah, I'm okay. Well, now I feel really on the spot. Okay, so my favorite. It was your idea. <laughs> I know, it's true. Um... My favorite, like, well, okay, here's something that's made with cheese where it's mostly all cheese, but like a little bit of something else. I love Gruyere. My oh, mom I makes them that. really good. It's just like egg and cheese. It's like a pâté choux mixed with like cheese and then. So I don't actually like Gruyere unless they're fresh out the kitchen. Oh yeah, when they're like have been sitting for a while, they it kind of just tastes like eating old scrambled eggs. They lose all meaning for me. Yeah, I just can't deal with it. We used to have them at my old restaurant that I worked at in the bakery, and I was like, absolutely not. Get these away from me. Yeah, they got to be hot. Um, my mom makes, like, a big, giant Gruyere and, like, serves it, like, in the morning with, like, scrambled mm-hmm. eggs, and it is truly delicious. My mouth is watering. Um, I love, like, my favorite cheese cheese, like, just to nibble at, and it is fancy, and I did make fun of it earlier, but it is my favorite, is Latour. <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's so oh good. Oh, my God. It's melty and creamy, and there's, like, a hard, kind of, like, a Tootsie Pop center. It's, it's so good. <laughs> it is really good. Yeah, it's really delicious. And that goes great on a cheese plate next to a block of Alveda. I mean, <laughs> a cup. I'm thinking the cheese plate. I mean, the block of Alveda is great. But I'm thinking also for the cheese plate, just like a couple of craft singles, just like slapped on there. <laughs> what if you like take the plate and you wrap it completely in craft singles so that. <laughs> <laughs> you can just slice off a little piece of it with a knife. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Please trademark, trademark that. My favorite cheese is definitely Pecorino Romano though. And it's the cheese oh, that I yeah. use most often. Um, Delish. I put it in everything. Uh, Locatelli, <clears throat> by far the best. I way prefer Pecorino to Parmigiano. Come at me, Italy's dairy farmers and everyone oh, else. Yeah. I don't care. I give, I hold space favorable. for both, you know? Totally. I love Parm, like good Parmigiano. I mean, it's delicious. But for me, I'm a pe- if I had to pick one for the rest of my life. I rarely use parm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost never. I mean, pecorino is really good. Yeah, it's really salty, and it, like, melts in this way. That's really nice. I love it. So, pecorino, here's looking at you, kid. <laughs> oh, and Cheez-Its. <laughs> Cheez-Its are good. And I love powdered cheese. So, I've been getting this, like, for a couple oh, of yeah. years now, this Anthony's powdered cheese. And it's, like, an organic product. I believe it's um, uh, colored orange with some kind of natural natto maybe a natto um and it's great and if you want to make like a kind of not chemically version of like craft macaroni and cheese at home or like a delicious quick queso or just to sprinkle on top of popcorn very mm. good anthony's cheese powder this is not brought to you by anthony's but it could be anthony please call us anthony call us anthony and not you anthony sasso our one listener don't you call us just kidding call me (laughs) could you do you have a dehydrator Uh uh-huh i do could you make cheese powder sure i mean i made sour cream powder it took such a fucking long time though i was just like is this worth it who's got this kind of time there's so many littlest bit there's so much water and sour cream i mean really you can also just buy the sour cream powder. I was actually just looking at my dehydrator earlier when I was doing yoga this morning and I do it in the kitchen. So I was looking directly at my 
dehydrated. And I was like, I should store you away and up in my storage loft thing. Cause like, I don't use it that much and it's gigantic. I like to ha- that I have it, especially uh-huh. in the summertime when I'm like maybe overbuying produce or whatever. Cause it's like fun and everything's like so colorful and yummy. That's a great time to have a dehydrator. But like right now in the dregs of winter, I'm like, I'm dehydrated. I don't need to like have yeah. a dehydrator. It probably mm-hmm. is dehydrating you. I mean, I, yeah, I leave it on. I do sleep in it, so it could be part of the problem. <laughs> I put my face in it when I sleep. Yeah, and then you can just, like, soak yourself in rum and rehydrate. Exactly. Like a raisin. I'm a, I'm a rum raisin. <laughs> <laughs> so cute. What a good, a cheesy episode. That was a lot of fun. I had a great time. I had a real great time, too. I really missed you, and I missed doing the show, and... I know. Um, Sorry, guys. I did not intend to miss two weeks, but this crazy bitch. We booked our Airbnb. This awesome Airbnb. It came with its own golf cart, and it was right across the street from the beach, and I was really excited. It was in Cedar Key, and we booked it. They took our money, and then they emailed us when we were three hours away from it, and they were like, hey, we can't accommodate you. We're doing construction. Why? Why? I'm like, well, first of all, you have to plan construction. You had to make an appointment to get whatever this construction shit is. So you knew about it. You could have canceled your freaking art. So I wouldn't have been able to book it. Maybe they had COVID or something or like someone had COVID there and they didn't want to say it. Maybe. I don't know. But it sucked because we like obviously the we had to completely reroute and like go to a completely different city and like scramble to find a place to stay like within hours of where we were. It's just like it was a whole nightmare with the dog. It was. So stressful. Oh my gosh. That sounds terrible. Well, I'm glad that you're back from Florida and uh, that you're safe and healthy and that you had a fun time. You deserve time. it. You deserve a little break. And I'm glad that you found a way to get away. I just realized the other day that I haven't been, I've like traveled and I've gone to Italy for like work and stuff, which is amazing. And I'm, I'm so fortunate for that, but I haven't been on like a vacation where I've been on a beach Aside yeah. from, you know, the beach in Long Island in the summer, again, which is amazing. And I'm grateful for that. But um, I haven't been on, like, a vacation in, like, uh, nine years. Yeah, it's years. pretty – it's great to get away in the winter. Uh, during years, COVID makes years. it a little bit sketchy. But yeah, we yeah. persevered and mostly just, like, didn't get to do a lot of the stuff that was fun. Or, like, had to, like, do a long walk on the beach with our masks on. <laughs> so <laughs> – um, like my face was totally breaking out from wearing my mask so much, but whatever. Hey, look, at least you're like being a chill member of society. That's yeah. we're looking at you, Florida, please, for the love of Christ, which we know you love for the most part, except for you <laughs> Jews in Boca Raton, um, <laughs> wear a mask. Yeah. How about it? How about yeah, it? For all of, you know, we know how many listeners we have in Florida. The whole state of Florida is essentially listening right now. Yeah. We're basically the only radio station they have. And uh, this just in from the letters of the uh, Associated Press. Wear a fucking mask. <laughs> I was kidding. All right. Well, <laughs> on that note, let's get out of here. Okay. Don't let the government tell you to eat cheese. Yeah. And stop saying how much you love Ronald Reagan. It makes you sound like an evil monster. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hasta la pasta. Bye-bye. Life's Banquet is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Or connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click at the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.